ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. TPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk Sandy. Daryl Patton, welcome to ATV Talk. How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. It's good to be here. Well, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Hey, so um, we haven't talked in a while, and I don't know if you're still riding much. Um, not really. I uh, I had a kind of a little get off about mm, maybe ten years ago. I still ride, but um, I was doing a lot of dirt bike riding there for a while. And uh, I had a little get off and tore both rotator cuffs and both biceps and both my shoulders. And I've never taken the time to fix them. So riding's a little bit difficult now. <laughs> How's it do for work? Um, luckily, I don't have to put my arms above my head too much. And nowadays, I just have to point a finger and tell people what to do. So that helps, about, it helps me out a lot. That, yeah, that does. Yeah. <laughs> how did how did you get into the ATV racing scenario? Oh man. Um well it it kind of was it was a, a weird deal. Um I I had a three-wheeler that I built for drag racing and uh just was drag racing glamis. That's all I did. That's the only riding I did was glamis. And uh the guy that helped me build it, his name was Danny Martinez, owned a shop up here by me in Fontana called high tech ATV. Um, and Danny, for some reason, always said I'd be good at motocross. And I didn't know why, cause he'd never seen me ride. You know, he only heard about what I could do drag racing. So, um, one day I decided I wanted to try motocross. So a bunch of my friends were doing it. And, uh, Danny said, Hey, if you give me your three wheeler, I'll buy you a, a TRX 450, whichever one you choose. And, uh, you can go racing. So I found the four wheeler. Danny bought it for me. I traded him for my three wheeler and I went racing. Wow. That's where it started. What that was that? Uh, 99, 99. My, the first race I ever did was a, uh, they called it a summer series at Paris raceway. Okay. In in, in, uh, 
I'm I'm sorry, a, a winter series in uh, December of '99 at Paris Raceway. Wow! And ever since oh, you've been hooked, I was hooked, man. I I went out there not knowing anything, and you know, I I had friends that were racing a little bit, um, but I didn't follow motocross at all. As far as the ATVs, I followed dirt bikes and stuff like that, you know, but I didn't know who anybody was. And I showed up to go race and I, I entered the beginner class, not knowing anything or how I would do, or, you know, I'm a beginner as far as I know. And, uh, I ended up lapping second place in the beginner class and realized I wasn't meant for the beginner class. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, that's a good way to start right yeah i it, it was kind of cool and then the the first moto i blew the bearing carrier apart or bent an axle or something i don't know i, I did something and everybody's like oh coriolis has one go go talk to coriolis and i'm like who's coriolis i don't know this guy you know well i guess he's kind of a big deal you know <laughs> at the time and i i didn't know who he was or nothing about the guy and everybody pointed him out to me so i went over and talked to him and I bought a bearing carrier from him and bought an axle and made the second moto. And then that's when I actually lapped second place and realized I wasn't supposed to be in that class. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you spent a lot of your time racing Southern California. Yes. Most of my time was in Southern California. Glen Helen was my, that was my go-to track. Um, I did some of the Grand Prix around here, you know, like the Atalanta Grand Prix was always a big race for anybody on an ATV or a dirt bike, you know? Um, so I did the Atalanta Grand Prix, but Glen Helen was the main track for any quad. When I started racing the, uh, some of the other tracks like Paris would have like a, a special series where they would let us come out and race. And then, um, LACR started letting us come up there and race, but we really didn't have anywhere to practice except for Glen Helen. That was the place to go for us. For a lot of it still is. Yes. You know, I mean, it, they have outstanding races there for the most part. And I think they really got good after they brought the, the GNC nationals out and let them see what a, what a real quad could do when they let them go up Mount St. Mount St. Helens and, and everything. You remember that? Yeah, I, I do remember that. That was, that was actually, a, that was a good time. Um, what was that? Oh, Oh, three, I think was when they came out here the first time. I think so. Yeah. They, uh, we, you know, before that, they always had what they called the dealer series. And at the dealer series races or any of those, the dirt bikes ran the whole track and the quads did too. We were just a sideshow, you know, to that. We'd go out and, you know, if we had 15 or 20 quads for the day, every class, it, that was kind of a good turnout for us, you know? And you'd get guys like Corey out there who were just training for to go back east to the national. So he'd show up and ride and just to train a little bit, you know, but that we did get to ride all the big tracks back then. But yeah, once, once the nationals came out and the ITP quad cross started really taking off and they started, they moved us off the back track because, you know, Lori was trying to get us going, but you know, she put us on that back track, the REM track and, it was kind of hard to pass and, you know, it wasn't a real big track, but we got to ride and got to move up, got to grow the sport out on the West coast, in my opinion. Well, once she put, once she put us on a big track, it was a night and day difference in this amount of people that came out. Um, the yes. quality of the series got better. 
Yes, it, it, it grew. It, it grew really fast. Um, you know, it went from being, you'd have four or five pros on the line and to, dude, you were qualifying to try to even get on the gate. That was pretty awesome stuff, man. How long did it take you to get to the pro class? Um, I want to say two years. I, like I said, that first race, I, I lapped that, that class and I went immediately to intermediate, um, and started racing intermediate and I did intermediate for a full year. And then after that, it, it was either export or pro, whatever class we would have at that race, you know, that's what I entered. Um, and I was never really on the two fifty R's. I was never, I was competitive. Um, but I never was like winning races or anything like that. Um, until man, I think like Oh three, when the Cannondale came out, which sounds kind of weird. Um, but Corey got me hooked up on a Cannondale and I wrote a Cannondale for all of Oh three. And it helped me cross over from the two stroke to the four stroke. And as soon as I started riding that Cannondale, I started winning motos and that kind of changed the whole racing thing for me. You know, I went from being a mid pack guy to actually winning motos and being competitive. Was it just because the four stroke power was easier to ride? I believe so. I mean, the, the four stroke power was just more manageable for me and being one of the only four strokes out there, it, um, it kind of helped me out a lot. I, in my opinion, you know, it helped me kind of move towards the front of the pack a little bit. How did you like that Cannondale? Man, I, I liked it. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit bigger guy. I always have been. Um, I mean, I'm only 5'11", 5'10", on whatever, but I've always been a little bit heavier. I've always been 200 plus pounds. I've never been a little guy. And uh, the bigger bikes, they just fit me well. I, I enjoy riding the bigger bikes a little bit more. You know, like the the LTR and the and they just seem compact and, and really small for me to ride. So you preferred the Honda? I preferred the Honda, yeah. Um I, I, I had a YFZ. I bought a YFZ in 04. And actually I did really well on that. I, I was should have won the championship in 04. Um you you were I think uh Jeremy Shell was riding for you, right, at the time? Yes. In 04. And uh I kind of had his number in a few races and up at LACR and and uh he knew it and he was faster than me, hands down. The guy was faster than me, hands down. Um, but there were just a couple spots that I knew I could get him. And one of those was a big double out of a corner. I knew if I stopped him in the corner, I could make the double, and then I could it'd take him the whole lap to catch me again. And uh I I had a really good points lead going into the last two rounds. And at LACR, I broke a ball joint, uh, actually a tie rod end and cartwheeled the bike. And that was the first time I broke a collar, my right collarbone. So I missed the last race and got second to behind Jeremy Shell for the title that year. Oh, that's a heartbreaker, right? It, it, it was, it was a tough one to swallow for sure. You know, I, uh, I had a lot of momentum, a lot of good speed and I, and I thought I was doing well. Um, and then that came around and I think that was Oh four. Yeah. So that happened. And then, um, 
I don't remember if it was before that or right. It must've been after that when we had the four stroke national at Glen Helen. You remember that race? Yes, I do very well. That was a, uh, that was a, that was a good race for me. Really good race. And I was, and I was riding my YFZ back then. And, uh, you, you, you said something to me that, that lit a fire boy and it, and it lit a fire that wasn't going to be extinguished that day. Well, yeah, we, you and I had been, we, you and I had been building on that conversation for weeks. Yeah. Yeah. We had been. And, uh, but you know, it, it, it was just, you know, I knew, I knew going in that I was kind of an underdog. I mean, we all did. I, I'm, I was never meant to compete with Jeremy Shell and, and Doug Eichner. And, you know, I just, I wasn't, I, I didn't train like those guys. I had a full-time job. I had a family, you know, it was just a different deal, but I, I love to ride. So I, I just put what I had into it and did what I could do, you know? Yeah. And that's all that matters. And you, yeah. talking about having Jeremy's number, you had his number that day in that moto. It, it was, it was tough. I think, I think Doug broke or something, right. Or something, something happened to Doug. We had a valve train failure. Yeah. But I, Nelson I, got together in the first turn, flipped yeah. up upside down. And this is in the first moto and yeah. Doug was coming. Oh, dude, Doug was so fast. I don't care what that guy was riding. You could put him on a, on a, in a wheelbarrow and the guy's going to win. I don't know how he did it, but he did it. I mean, it, and it was, it was phenomenal to watch him ride. You know, there, there were a few times going in. If I go back a little bit to like, Oh, two, Oh, one, Oh, two. I got hurt, you know, doing stupid stuff. Um, and I would just go watch Corey Ellis ride and Doug Eichner ride. And that's kind of where I, I got a lot faster just watching those guys, not even riding, just watching them and how they did things. And man, Doug on a bike is like poetry. Just watching that guy do it. It's almost effortless, you know? And I, I love racing that guy. I always knew Doug was going to bring it and he was going to bring it. Um, like, clean he was never gonna like put you in the cheap seats but he was gonna race you hard and if he had to put you in the cheap seats he'd rub you let you know you were there and, but it was it was always a good time racing that guy he didn't like to rub he, i think i got that out of him uh, you know he was a clean guy you know he, he wrote he rode really clean and he always could make the passes and just it was it was really nice to ride with ride with him he's still you know? joe bird oh dude uh, I, if I had the chance, I'd put Joe in the cheap seats again. <laughs> the, the, that guy, he hit me so hard one time at a, at a stadium race. And I was like, dude, I, I don't even know what I did, but he hit me so hard. Just blew me off the track for no reason. I was like, all right. And I, I forget who I talked to. Might've been Doug Eichner, might've been some, or maybe Natalie. And uh, he's like, dude, just go hit him. Next practice, just run straight into him right, right into his, into the nerf bar. I'm like, all right. So I did. <laughs> and he, he never, he never hit me again. <laughs> so, Oh, yeah. listen to Joe. Now he's, he's quite the character, you know, some of the stories he tells on himself. Yeah. Oh man. It, it, it was just such a good time, you know, traveling and racing the things that, you know, I don't know how, 
I don't, I honestly don't know how I made a name for, I feel I made, made a name for myself and I don't know how, like in Oh three, I went to high point with Corey Ellis and that's when he debuted that YFZ and I wrote a cannon deal. And, uh, I was talking to Dana Creech's mom and, uh, she, I don't know how she even knew me. You know, we, we'd done a couple stadium races, but I didn't really know her or know Dana. And, uh, she goes, Hey, you know, I know you're fast on the West coast, but out here is a whole, whole lot different. I'm like, all right. She's also, you know, Dustin and, and, uh, Dustin Wimmer and, and, uh, Dana, you know, those are the two top guys in the program class. So you just need to let those guys buy. I'm like, okay, well, I, I raced with them the first on Saturday. I raced with them and did really well. You know, I, I podiumed both classes, uh, the pro-am open and the pro-am production on Saturday and then Sunday in the mud. I, gave myself a concussion and things didn't end so well that day, (laughs) but you know, that's all good. When you, when you look back on it, do you think that maybe the, the training program would have helped you uh, maybe not get, have some of the get offs? Um, I don't think the training program would have helped me so much. Um, to be honest with you, most of my bad get offs were when I had the, the mentality of, I have to win. Um, if I don't win, then, you know, to be honest with you, 99% of the time when I went to the races, I was flat broke and it took every penny I had to get there. And I needed to win to make money, to be able to live through the week, the next week, you know? So that's when I found I was getting hurt the most is when I felt I had to win. Um, once my dad came into my racing program and I wasn't, um, having to win, you know what I'm saying? Cause my dad was helping pay for a lot of that stuff. That's when I quit crashing and quit getting hurt so much. What'd your wife think of it? Um, she didn't really care much for it. She was there. I mean, we, we met in Oh four and I, you know, I was already committed to the sport. And, uh, so she kind of knew that's who I was, but as soon as I could quit, she was ready for me to quit, you know? And then I tried, I tried getting my son into it. Cause you know, her and I have a, we have a, now he's 13. Um, I tried getting him into it and she was like, Nope. I spent the first 10 years of our relationship at a motocross track. I'm not going back. So now we do travel baseball and different sports like that. <laughs> so she gave up the motocross track for the baseball field. Yeah. And we're, and we're at the baseball field every, it, I mean, four nights a week. And <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I had a travel softball player and, and she, we, that's all we did. You know, when I wasn't racing, when I wasn't going to the races, I was going to the softball field. Yeah. It's just so much time consumed, but you know, if you want them to grow and get better, that's what you have to do. Oh, exactly. And, same with and it's not, crazy. it's not about us anymore. It's about them, you know, totally. We've had our day. We better. Yeah. I have a 12 year old grandson, man. That's a, that that's, that's tough to even think about, you know, (laughs) it's just, I'm telling you, I I still drive down the road and I'm like thinking to myself, I I see like a, like a, a kid, you know, and I'm like, I think myself, man, I'm, I, I still feel that old. Like I don't feel 46 years old. I feel like I'm still 
in my twenties, but my knees and ankles are disagreeing with me. <laughs> hey, I want to go back and, and ask some questions. When you were drag racing three wheelers, uh, what did you do to your, did your, how was your setup done? Um, so back then I had a, it was an 85 250 R three wheeler, um, that I don't remember. It was still a 250. We never even went, uh, I never did a big bore or anything like that, but it was, we had a plus six swing arm on it, a narrowed aluminum axle. Um, I took all the brakes off the front, you know, the normal, normal stuff. It was a really, I mean, it was one of the nicest three wheelers I think ever around. Um, but just the way Danny Martinez built that motor, it just ran really hard. Um, and I felt I could, I mean, I, I could beat anybody at all at comp because I could, I could get them through the whoops, you know, the bike just handled really well. Um, other than that, I mean, it was just a basic Honda with a, with a Kenny Roberts drag pipe and some porting and some, and, uh, a big carb and, you know, really nothing fancy. I didn't have the money to be fancy, you know, um, when all these guys and Eddie Sanders was putting out that, um, the two fifty dirt bike cylinder motor, you know, did you ever see those where he was putting the, the two fifty uh dirt bike cylinder on the yeah, on the four tracks and stuff? You know who did that first, right? Probably probably Duncan. My brother. Yeah. <laughs> um but I mean it, it just he came out with those and my buddy guy had a few of those motors and I, you know, I could compete with him drag racing. Um but once the the three tens and the three thirties came out, I was just out moneyed. I couldn't do it anymore that's when I went to motocross. Cause it's like, as long as I can out, as long as I could ride the bike, I felt like I was competitive. Do you think you, know? you had a different skill set than your buddies? And that's one of the things that made your machine work so well. Yes. I, I believe I did. Honestly, like I just felt like I can, I, I could ride the bike a little bit harder through the whoops. Like I wasn't afraid of it. If it, you know, if it got squirrely out of control and was on one wheel, I would still hold it wide open and, just pull it off. You know, it, uh, <laughs> it was actually a great, a, a really good time in my life. I, I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, one day, I don't know why. And I, I don't even know how I got put on Harry's, you know, from Trinity, Harry trip from, from Trinity. I don't even know how I got put on his radar, but him and, uh, can't think of his buddy's name, but they showed up one day wanting to drag race my Honda with their Honda out at whitewater. Do you, you know where that is? No. Windy point out. Windy point out in Palm Springs. Okay. We'd go out there and drag race and, and Harry showed up to drag race one night and I was like, all right. And I kept, and they had a Honda with a CR 500 motor stuffed in it. And I kept just killing that thing. And Harry was getting madder and madder and they were leaning it out further and further, trying to make it faster and faster. And next thing you know, I was towing Harry back to the truck with a blown up motor. <laughs> so that that was kind of a good deal for me I, I i don't know i just how much money did you work on that deal uh, man not much not, i mean i didn't i didn't I, I never made money racing i just had fun doing it i i had a lot of fun drag racing that bike you know it was just a lot of fun to ride so the, how did you get into the dunes was that something that your dad turned you on to or is just you and your buddies me and my buddies um when I was, man, I, when I was, my, my, my parents never bought us motorcycles. They bought my brother 
who's older than me, a, uh, a Honda XR 75, 1975 Honda XR 75. And uh, when he outgrew it, it kind of got handed down to us and we beat it up in the field across the street from our house. But that was about it, you know? Um, and then in 1989, my brother, my older brother, he bought a Banshee and him and all his friends went to Glamis and they took me and I rode on the back of a Banshee with my buddy, Mike Cowan the whole weekend. And I'm like, man, I need, well, I need something like this. I need to do this. And, uh, I saved, saved every penny I could. And I bought a, a 250 R three wheeler. And then it was downhill from there. <laughs> downhill, <huh? laughs> yeah. I mean, and it was, but man, just some of the times we had in Glamis and, the, and I don't know if you've ever duned a, a three wheeler that's got a plus six swing arm and a narrowed six axle but it's, it's a handful to ride. And I've ridden those through the dunes and just had a blast on that thing. When I was riding three wheelers in the dunes, we would ride standard swing arms and we did mostly knobbies. I yeah. Mostly knobbies, you know, whether it be a, a, a big turf tamer or an O2 knobby. Um, I really like the 88, 89 knobbies because they drifted better. Uh, but a turf tamer, either non-grooved or stand or just the way they came, uh, were pretty awesome for, for my still, I still ride when I, when I want to go to the dunes now, I still want to run a knobby. Yeah, I, I do. I do still run a knobby on all my, all my four stroke stuff. I run knobbies, even my four stroke dirt bikes. I ride knobbies in Glamis. I, I just, I love the way they work. The knobbies work so well. You know, you slide those things through a bowl, just having so much fun on them. It's, it's awesome. You know, I wrote some XR 600 stuff out there with knobbies and, and you know, how big a heavy XR 600 is. Yeah. Uh, I did. I haven't done any of the modern day four strokes stuff out there. Um, just the ATVs, but after I hurt my shoulder riding anything more than one ride in the dunes, was about all I could muster, you know, one ride a weekend. I'd always pick the, 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 I'd always wait for Fuller to tell me when, when we would go, Brian Fuller, Garen Fuller's dad would say, yeah. Hey, this is the ride you want to be on. And I'd go on that ride because it was, you know, the kids trying to beat up on all the old guys. Yeah. That's, it gets so bad, man. You know, like, um, now when I go out there, I'm in, I'm driving a side by side now, you know, um, but I work with all these kids and they all ride dirt bikes and they're all, when I say kids, they're, I think the oldest one's 25 or something. And, uh, we went to Glamis this year and they're like, Oh, you should come out old man. Come on. And I'm like, dude, I said, if I come out there, you guys are going to be chasing me the whole weekend. I promise you. And they're like, Oh, you, you, you ain't got nothing for us. I'm like, all right. And when we got to the flagpole, they were all like, dude, I did not think a quad could go that fast through the dunes. <laughs> and, but, but the only problem is, you know, I've, I've put on a few LBs since I've uh, had Wayne do the shocks on that, on my Honda. So I had more sand coming off the frame up into my face than I would ever want to talk about, but it was just something to do. And it was, it was a lot of fun. And I, I couldn't let those guys see that I was beat. I mean, I was, I was spent 100% spent. And I couldn't let them see it. So 
I held tough and did the best I could and got back to camp and made them think that everything was okay. But deep down inside, I was dying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's what the old men do. All the oh. old guys got to got to hold our own. And uh, I remember when uh, when the kids that were out there, they were they were in the little the uh, the lower classes than you, um, the Garen Fullers and the Josh Rose and Tyler Wood, and and they would always want to think they were cool because they could jump. You know, the goggers, they could jump and they, they were fast. They were good, but we would go on these rides and, you know, there, there was a rule. You couldn't go below the leader. You couldn't go below the leader's line. So that was your race course, you know, and, and, and Garen's dad was the leader and you wanted to be right by him. He was riding the CR 500 and he would just carve just the awesome trail for us. And I think some of the funnest things I've ever done is nerf those kids. Oh man. You know, we, we used to go out there to Glamis and, uh, it'd be like me, Corey Ellis, Jeremy shell would come out and, uh, Corey had a buddy that he'd come, come up from, come down from Washington, uh, Jason Nelson. And then, uh, we'd meet up with, uh, Billy pointer some sometimes. And you want to talk about fun. That was just, it was, it was just nonstop trying to keep up with those guys. Yeah. Oh, dude. And then you'd get down in the, like some of the lower areas and the, where their trees are. And those guys that start carving around those trees and you're just trying to carve with them and just keep trucking. And, oh, dude, we, we burned so many gallons of gas. I don't even think I burned that much fuel in my side by side now in a weekend, you know, as much as we, we would burn back then, but just a lot of fun, a lot of fun. I think that most people have forgotten how much fun it is to go out there and ride. And that's all you do is just go ride, 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 ride. And when we were young, hanging out with that group of people, um, it it was unbelievable. You never were at the truck. You were always on a ride, you know, always on a ride. Like, yeah, you, it was just nonstop. You'd come back, fuel up, get something to eat, something to drink and back out again. Yep. And you just never stopped. I, I don't think that uh, I, I wouldn't do that now. I would go on a morning ride and I may come back. I might go on an afternoon ride. And then again, I might go on the evening ride, but it just depends. You know, you, you know, it's, it's getting bad for me. Um, I started, it started happening a lot towards the end of my racing. Um, I, I think, you know, I, w- I was getting motion sickness real bad. Well, I get it really bad in Glamis. So there's a small window of time that I can ride. Like I have to make sure there's shadows. If it's too, like if it's mid afternoon and there's no shadow, Oh man, I can't go anywhere. I, I just instantly start getting sick and it's bad, but I still go driving. That's that's when you're driving as well. But driving, riding a quad, riding a dirt. I don't care what it is. I still get sick. I was out there. So on one of those, uh, razor, they were introing, actually they were, it was the, when they first came out with the thousand. Yeah. And they had the big old, what do they call that day out in the, out in the dunes, uh, for the RZR camp, you know, camp razor. Okay. They had camp razor. So I get an invitation from Eli Madero. Hey, come out with me for this thing. And we wanted to talk to Polaris because we were building parts for the 900. 
And we wanted to find, are they going to still make that model? What are they going to do? So I got to pin one of those guys down and talk to him. And Eli and I get in this razor and we get out in the dunes and we're cruising around. He's driving. And I'm just like, whatever. And he goes, Hey, I need you to drive so I can take some photos of the car. Great. No problem. He had me do so many left-hand turns. I was so car sick driving this thing. I told him, he says, we can't do this anymore. I said, yeah, do something else because this is horrible. Yeah. Said, You're getting car sick driving it. And I go, yeah, it's, it's just, it's not that fun. One, and, and once you get it, there's nothing you could do except for throw up and sleep. That's it. Yep. There's no way to get rid of it. It's not going away. You're just, you're stuck with it. And it's you, you, a couple hour nap and you wake up and it's gone. And then yeah, you get something to eat and then you just don't recreate whatever it was. Exactly. You know, so I've, I've learned, I got, you know, I've learned my limitations over the years of what I can do, what I can't, what time I can go. But there's still those nights where I want to go for a night ride to Oles and I pay for it, but we still do it. <laughs> You're never going to not do it because that's what you do. Exactly. You know, I just, I, I enjoy the sport for some reason, whether it be in a side-by-side or on a quad, you know, I tried racing side-by-sides. That didn't work out very well for me. So costly that and the, the motion sickness thing, I couldn't get rid of it. So I finally have a, um, I got a prescription for those, uh, patches that they put behind your ear. And that helps me, but I get such bad cotton mouth. I can't hardly breathe. <laughs> wow. And, 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 and it just doesn't work all the time. Um, they work okay for me, but like I said, I just, I get such bad cotton mouth. You can't, can't do anything. So, wow. It's so like you take, go ahead. It's like, it's like, you got to take the good with the bad, but man, sometimes it's just the bad's too bad. <laughs> oh that, that, there's something to be said for that it's what happens when we get old right yeah i oh man i, I just found out the other day because i've been my knees have been hurting me really bad and uh so i went to the doctor and yeah i got arthritis in my knees and it's not going to get no better so did good times take, did they give you the same deal they gave me lbs yeah a little bit he told me i need to drop some pounds so i know i'd need to do it and uh I want to anyways. I want to, I want to start racing again. I went out a few last year. I went and did one of those, uh, GBC short course series races. And, uh, <laughs> I, I hadn't thrown a leg over a quad Lenny. And, and I, I mean, I'm talking at least seven years, at least I hadn't nothing like nothing. I hadn't rode one at all. And, uh, I went out there and uh, I pull up and, Corey's like, dude, just do all the, just do all the laps. Just whatever you do, just do all the laps. I'm like, all right. And I tried to enter the, the vet beginner class and Lori wasn't having that. <laughs> Was he a blamer? <laughs> I'm like, come on, you know, I'm like, come on, Lori. It's been seven or eight years. And somehow she still knew who I was and she wasn't going to have that. So I'm like, all right, well, I ended up racing against, you know, all the other vets that have been, I mean, like Roy Bloodsworth was, he never raced with me when I raced, but now that he's been racing nonstop, he never stopped. I, you know, I stopped. Well, I ended up racing against him and a couple of the other guys that still are racing all the time. And I did. Okay. I, I felt like I did. All right. 
So I won, I won the first moto and, but it was tough. Roy was right there the whole time. And then the second moto, I was like, just go. I'm like, I've, I've held you off the entire race. I'm, I'm done. Like <laughs> I, I thought they were going to throw the checkered flag four flat, four laps ago and they haven't thrown it yet. So just go, <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. You know, I, I got second for the day and, and, uh, I honestly, that's the first race. My son has ever really seen me. Like he's seen me race others, but he's too young to remember them. That's the first one he, he can remember, you know? So it was kind of cool. Blew him away. Didn't it? Yeah. He, it's hard for them to believe that, you know, dad can do what he can do, I guess. And it, and it, Corey, like Corey's Corey's like, dude, just go out and do all the laps. I'm like, all right. And he's all just cruise and have a good time. I'm all okay. And I had no intention of like, cranking it on like i was just gonna cruise around and just have a good time from the first practice as soon as they waved the green flag to practice it like the the switch flipped in my head and it was wide open driving into the corners no coasting in corners like i'm like what are you doing just have fun and but i i just i couldn't i was wide open having a great time (laughs) you, you still remember what it's like yeah it's all, it's all still there. It's just the body isn't there to do it. My dad's 85 years old. And every once in a while, he thinks I, I, I could, I can ride Dad, Yeah. I love you, but you can't even kickstart the bike. Yeah. Oh, you're right. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you know, cause we ride, we have flat track bikes, TT 500s. Yeah. And you have to bump start them. And when you do have to kick them, uh, you, you, you know, you need a steel shoe and, a, and, and a lot of leg to even kick him over. And, uh, when he was riding his, we would bump start it for him and he'd, you know, take off no problems. Uh, but, but kicking, it was just n- not going to happen. Yeah. That's almost how I feel about the CR 500s. They're a little better, but I don't like starting those things. No, but it, when you get out in the sand dunes and you get them dug a little hole, and they make it yeah. short little legs to kick it. I, I, yeah. I, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's I, I'm building I'm building a 93 CR 500 right now just for Glamis. And I'm I don't know why I'm doing it. But you know, one of those one of those things of we always want to do something. I loved it when Fuller had his because that's when I would go out with him. You know, I would usually I would usually only go for a day because I'd get that one ride in and then my arm hurt so bad afterwards. It was, it was go home, you know? Yeah. And that's what I would ride. I'd get on that CR 500 and I would just sit back there in the middle and just leave in third gear and just carve my way through the dunes, having a ball, you know, yeah. it's a great time. It's a great time. And, and how do you think Lori could ever forget you, dude, when we were in the pit <laughs> and you wanted to know where Daryl was, you just, Listened a little because you could hear you. <laughs> Not a guy in the pits. I'm sorry, man. Just the way it is. I, I've always been. I've always been that way, man. I was, I've gotten in trouble for it my whole life, just being the loudest guy in the room, and I don't know why, but my voice carries. Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. And, I, you and, and I always got along really well, so it never bothered me. Yeah, I feel. I feel we did. I, we did get along really well, and I, you know, a lot of good things have come from that friendship. That you know, the friendship so. that we made through the years in, in the ATV world. Um, most of the people that 
I've met and that I haven't spoken to for years, you can pick up the phone today and call them, talk to them. And it's like, it was yesterday. That's, you know, I, uh, I was never really, and I don't want to say I wasn't really friends with him. Um, but I rode for him and we, we, we generated friendship through that. And that's John Gregory still to this day. I call that guy and you might as well just, you know, free up your calendar for, uh, um, 30, 30 minutes to an hour, because we're going to talk about whatever it may be, you know, whether it's his, his girls going away to college now, or, you know, whatever, or the old days of racing, but it just, it's a friendship that kind of came about. And it's one of those things, you know, exactly. You know, you, you mentioned our kids and, and I know we're supposed to be talking about ATV racing and, and I hope everybody forgives us for uh, getting off topic a little bit, but I don't think some of the people that are listening to this or some of the people in the industry realize that, you know, I had little kids when we were doing it Mm -hmm. and not many people had kids. My my youngest, well, I have five kids, um, three with my wife and, and two from before. And my youngest is 23. My oldest is 31 going to be 32. Yeah. It's, and, and, what people don't understand is this sport is family. Yep. It's family, man. I mean, I I don't, there's just something about it. It's a little bit different than the dirt bike world, the dirt bike world. You're, you know, everybody's for themselves. Nobody's going to help nobody for nothing. Right. You know, unless you're really good friends with that person, they're not helping you. The ATV world, man, you can, anybody will help anybody, you know, no matter what. You go to a race and, and, you know, whether it be a desert race, whether it be Baja, whether it be works or, you know, quad cross when it was happening, it, you know, even go back to the motocross and the GNCCs, you, you need something, somebody has it, somebody's going to help you. And, yeah. and, and you're taking care of it. It doesn't matter. We're, we're a family that stretches across the planet. Yes. And, and that's, that's why I'm saying, you know, the family thing, it's like, it's just, and, and everybody, you know, when, when I was racing, you know, at that time I had a, uh, I had my, my oldest boy who's now 26 or 27. Um, he would, he'd go to the races with me too, you know, and everybody just knew who he was and it, it was just kind of a, a good deal, you know? So, exactly. yeah. So do you still have the cover of that magazine? I do. I do. I have all of them. Every, uh, uh, they're in my garage actually i don't i'm not real good at keeping memorabilia that's kind of my my uh one of my downsides i don't keep much stuff but i do have the magazine covers um i have all the magazines i've been in i've had all of the uh um uh you know which cover i'm talking about the well is it the one where i'm wearing the duncan hat yep yeah that one i i have that one for sure. We caused, some, we caused some controversy that day, didn't we? I, we did. And, but the, what you said to me that day, it, it lit a fire. I'm telling you that was not going to be, going to be extinguished that day. So and I, I, and I, I appreciate, I still to this day, appreciate you wearing the hat. And dude, I, I did call dude, and speak to a couple of your sponsors um, mm-hmm. because they were a little, un, they were a little unhappy with me and I had to apologize to them. 
Um, I, I, to this day, I don't remember who some of them were, but um, they, 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 we did have a conversation and, and I did apologize to him and, and told him probably that wasn't the best advice that I gave you to wear the hat at the, at, at that time. Um, but they didn't understand the connection and the development of that moment in time. It wasn't a yeah. day. Was it? It didn't start that day. The race, the two races before that, we started talking. Yeah, and then that actually turned into the the whole Golden West Cycles deal for me. You know, so I'm not I'm not too upset about it. It, it worked out pretty well for me. Well, I, I'm glad it did, and and it was it was a fun race to watch because Jeremy Shell is supposed to be this guy. He's the Kawasaki guy, and you pushed him and pushed him and pushed him in the past team. Yeah. Well, you know, Jeremy and I rode a lot together a lot. And he was riding that, that Z that it was basically a Z 400 or whatever. Right. Yep. Um, and no down, not anything against that bike or, but it just, it was underpowered compared to what I had. So, um, if I could just get the drive on him, you know, I knew I could get around him but the guy could outride me in the corners. He was so much faster than me in a corner. And I just, I, I just, I just stayed on him. I stayed there and pressured him and pressure and pressure until we were both done. We were both tired. I mean, I remember going up the start straight with like a lap to go. And both of us, our hands are just like falling off the bars, trying to hold on, right. just pushing each other to the limit, you know? Um, but as far as like a fun race to watch, you know, my dad was standing in the corner and I seen him every, every lap. I seen him. My dad never cheered for me. He always just stood there and held the broom. And there's a picture of him in that magazine. It's one of the reasons I kept that magazine. So pretty cool. Holding the broom, <laughs> cheering, holding the broom, just holding the broom, watching me go by. <laughs> that was it. All he'd do is hold that broom. You know, the rest was on me. So I, I miss those days, um, you know, going to Mickey's and then, and then you go to the Glen Helen and you do those races like that. Um, I miss those days. Yeah, it, I, I do too. You know, Corey and I, Corey got me into a lot doing, I wouldn't have done as much stuff as I did if it wasn't for Corey Ellis. Um, him and I, you know, we, we would, uh, go do the, the stadium series. So I'd go to St. Louis with him. And man, there's just something about loading up a box van Thursday night, driving 24 hours straight through to St. Louis, getting there uh, Friday night, going to bed, waking up Sunday or Saturday morning, signing up, racing Saturday, and then driving right back home on Sunday to be at work on Monday morning. <laughs> yeah, get tired, but you had but, a blast. But had a had a blast, man, and met some of the greatest people, like I said, in this sport, you know, just amazing. Not counting the four stroke world championships at Glen Helen. What's your most memorable race? Oh man. Well, I mean, there's a couple that are really memorable that I didn't, I didn't do well. You know, I I didn't win them. Um, One, I didn't even finish. Um, but it was, I got to, uh, 
I got to prove a point to somebody, but then the bike broke. So, but it, it was still very memorable for me. And I look back on it and man, think, man, I wish I could have finished that race, you know, but what, what race was it and where was it? Um, Elsinore Grand Prix in uh 2000 had to be seven, had to be 2007. So I was riding the Raptor 700. Okay. Doug was, Doug was there on a Honda and, uh, I forget who it was. Um, who was it on the Yamaha, the factory Yamaha GNCC rider was, it wasn't Yokely, was it? Um, who was it? I don't know. I can't remember his name. Um, but he, he always came out and did the, the, the Elsinore Grand Prix. And, you know. Was it Bill I, Balance? Oh, there you go. Balance. It was Bill Balance. Okay. And uh, so I pull up on the starting line and he's on the inside corner. Perfect starting position. Doug's next to him. And then I'm third guy out. And uh, I'm all, Doug, what'd you bother coming for, dude? I'm going to win. Doug's like, someone had to get second. You know, that's Doug's personality. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, so we're joking around. And then I, I see balance and I'm, I'm all, hey, dude, why'd you guys bother coming? I'm winning. Doug's getting second. And he flat ignored me, looked at his mechanic and said, I'll never see that Raptor again. And I thought, all right, dude, that, that was game on for me. That was right that was almost you know like okay l- let me show you what i got and uh it took me two laps to catch him but i caught him going into the mountain section and i sent him for a ride i nerfed the piss out of him and took off and about 200 yards later i threw the rod out of the bottom of the motor oh. <laughs> but he seen me he seen me and he knew it was me so that was, you know, just one of those things like, all right, I'm, I'm good. And then Doug, I'm like, I'm like, where's Doug? Doug should have been there with us. That guy had a front flat and a rear flat opposite corners. And I think he was still running second or third. Out there freaking doing his thing. Yeah. I'm like, Dougie, how do you do it, dude? I'm telling you, put the guy on a wheelbarrow. He's going to win a race. I don't know why the guy is just. Dougie is just one of those guys, man. I, I loved, I loved racing against that dude. Still phenomenal, still phenomenal rider today. Yeah, I mean, other than that, I don't, I don't remember too many of the races I have. There's just certain things that I remember, little, little things, you know, like a race up at LACR, um, and it, it was in a magazine, um, and I still have that one too. Uh, Corey Ellis and Jeremy Shell are on the far right-hand side of the starting gate. And I'm on the opposite side, as far left as I can get on the gate. And the, the article is a picture, you know, of the, of everybody taking off and we're probably halfway down the start straight. And, uh, the little caption in the photo says Jeremy shell and, and, uh, Corey Ellis battle for the whole shot. But if you look across I'm a bike length ahead of them in a wheelie, just leaving them, <laughs> you know, but it, so it's, it's things like that, that I, you know, I look back on and just really, really have a good time with, you know, and, and you know what, that's what it's all about. Favorite machine to ride. It's gotta be my Raptor 700, man. It's gotta be. 
just that <laughs> I, I know everybody hates those bikes. Not hates them, but it's a big, heavy bike. But it just fit me and it fit my riding style. And I, I loved it. I, I honestly loved that 700. Wow. What do you have now? Um, I, I, I still have that 700. <laughs> um, just sits in my shop. Don't do nothing with it. But uh, when I, the last two bikes I had were uh, TRX 450s. And I still have one of those. Nice. I got an O. 05 TRX 450, but yeah. And they're, they're not, that bike's not on the top of your list. Nope. Wow. As far as, I mean, is it the fastest? Mm, I think it's quicker than my 700, but I don't think it's like out route faster. On the big end, that 700 will kill it. Yeah. And then I, and I think my 700, my 700 will handle it too in the rough stuff, the deep rough stuff. Nah. I'm telling you that 700 was phenomenal. It won't turn. It won't that, that T-Rex will outturn it, but that Raptor 700, man, you know, my dad and I did some things to it. Um, that made it better for me as far as lowering the seat heights and stuff like that. And, uh, that bike just works, works really well. That's awesome. Really, really well. So, yeah. So what do you think of the industry today? Do you follow it at all? Not really. I mean, I do a little bit here and there, um, but not much. I mean, it just, it, it seems like it's back where it was in the early nineties. You know, there's a couple fast guys back East, whoever has the money to keep racing, keeps racing. And whoever's footing the bill is still kind of doing what they can, but they're not competitive because they're working for a living, you know? And, and, and I mean, that's just how I see it, you know? Um, all the guy, it seems to be going towards the side-by-sides. Everybody wants to do side-by-sides and that's a rich man sport. I don't know how anybody's doing that. Yeah. I mean, how do you go? Well, a pro level quad is, you know, 22 to 28 grand. Um, if you're, if you're paying retail, maybe a little more now in this climate, because some of the parts prices have went up. But how do you buy a thirty thousand dollar plus razor and then put another thirty grand in it to go race it? Yeah. Oh, I <laughs> I don't know. I I have a buddy that um he uh, was looking for a tax write off and thought that'd be the way to go. So he actually bought me a race car and we built it and I went and raced it. Um, and he's like, dude, don't worry about it. Whatever you break, we're gonna fix. And I'm like, okay. But when you spend that much money to get to a works race and you drive into the first corner and the guy behind you don't even touch the brakes, don't just, just drive through the right, through the right rear corner of your car, grenade the whole right side. And it costs you $3,000 to fix it. It's like, dude, you just wasted the whole day. Like all the money I spent getting here, everything I've, you know, the hours of prep, you just threw it out the window. Right. It's like, man, and those guys, a lot of those guys, just endless money, you know, I couldn't do it. Yeah, I get it. I totally get it. Daryl, I want to thank you so much for coming on ATV talk. Um, I know we don't touch base as often as we should, but I really appreciate you taking the time with us and telling us your story and, and being involved with such an amazing sport. 
I, I thank you for having me. And man, honestly, this sport, it did a lot for me. Um, it kept me, you know, like when, after my dad died, I, I continued to race and the, the family I had at the races got me through a pretty tough time. So it, it's, I would love to give back more to this, to this industry than I do, but you know, is what it is at this point. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to tell your story and um, just make sure to uh, reach out as often as you can and, and stay connected to the sport as possible, as much as possible and uh, keep going to the sand dunes. Cause that's helps. It helps as well. Oh man. I, I, I do go to the sand dunes. We do a week. I do two weeks a year there, but I do mainly, I do a lot of desert, a lot of desert now. I never did desert until the side-by-sides and I honestly love it. I love the desert now. Hard pack, hard, hard pack desert, man. It's, I love it. So much fun. Um, the, uh, the things we see out there and, and, uh, adventures and it's just, it's really, really fun. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. So. Daryl, as always with everybody that I have on the show, I want to extend the invitation to come back at some point um, because there'll always be a chat. There'll always be something that, that I'll may, I may uh, ring you up and say, Hey, Daryl, you know, come and sit down and talk with me and so, and so, and so, and so, and let's talk some ATVs. So be prepared at some point, you'll get that call. I, I look forward to it. I mean, if you ever want to hear some good stories, it's me, Corey and Jeremy, man, we have a few. <laughs> You know, the problem when you get Jeremy and Corey together, when you get Jeremy with anybody, yeah. you can't talk because you're laughing so hard. Oh, dude, it's it's horrible. But I, I love it. I love Every time I talk to that guy, it's such a great time. And, and that's another guy I call. I might talk to him once every year, year and a half, but same thing. Like, like we never, you know, it's, as, as competitive as him and I were, we were never, ever not friends. You know was what I'm saying? Anybody, was, was anybody not friends with him? Um, I think there was a few people. I don't know who, but there was a few. I mean, there's a couple of times I wanted to wring his neck, but I was always <laughs> his friend, you know? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, uh, coming up real soon on a Friday, him, Corey Ellis and Shane hit are going oh, cool. uh, to tell that's, some stories. That's going to be a good one. I'm still recovering. Oh man, that's a, that's a good one. The, 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 I remember going to high point with, uh, like I said, with Corey and Shane had a brand new truck and he pulls up and uh, he's talking to Corey and he's getting ready to go somewhere. And you hear this, like, um, almost like pepper spray on the side of the truck. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just sounded like, and you look over and Shane's son picked up a handful of rocks and just threw it against the side of that truck. Oh man. I thought Shane was, gonna, <laughs> I thought Shane was going to come out of that truck. <laughs> oh man. It was crazy. But yeah. Good times. Exactly. Yeah. So, all right. Well, Lenny, it was good. It was good talking to you. I, I look will forward to doing touch. it again someday. I will be in touch. Um, so just expect that I'm going to be calling you. And again, Daryl, thank you very much for coming and spending some time with us at ATV Talk. And uh, just keep listening, keep sharing us as often as you possibly can. You will find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all your other affiliates, Facebook and Instagram. And guess what? We have a YouTube channel now. 
So nice. you find us on YouTube as well. Uh, granted, we're 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 gaining ground and we're learning. Um, Valeria is killing it with the things that she's doing and all the changes that people have seen from day one to now. Uh, most of the innovation comes from her and her sister. I'm just the guy sitting here talking to you, and um, you know they teach me how to push the button, and then I get to talk, and then <laughs> you know I know which button to shut off on, and and then they take over. Yeah, but it's it's good to see to see something like this to help grow our sport. You know, it always takes it always takes the little guy like yourself to get the sport to grow and grow and grow. The manufacturers don't do it. No, I hope I hope that this helps. You know, because I I work a full time job. I still build bikes on the side for racers and do some prepping for some of the work stuff. Um, you know, and I work with a couple of different guys. Um, so I'm probably never going to go away. I want to get back to going to the races, but we'll, we'll see how the, what the future holds. Yeah. I, I'd love to see you there sometime. My brother, we're going to, we're going to Glen Helen in October. So be there. I'll be there for the works race or for the works race. I'll be there. I, I, I'm planning to go regardless what happens. I'm planning to go. Even if I just do an ATV talk live show there, I'm planning. Okay. I'll, I'll be there. All right. Man. I look forward to it. All right, Lenny. Good talking to you. Good talking to you too, sir. Talk to you later. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. Brought to you by Take Two Custom Tees. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industries building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.